0: Hey, everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope that you'll consider subscribing both to the newspaper and to all the other platforms that cover Major League Soccer because everyone does a fantastic job. One of those who does a fantastic job is Julia Poe of the Orlando Sentinel, and she has joined me today to preview Saturday's game between Orlando and and Orlando at Exploria Stadium. Kickoff is at 8 p.m. It's gonna be broadcast on Fox. You can hear it here on 92.9, or you can ignore both of those and follow our coverage on Twitter because it's gonna be so much better and insightful. Julia, it's good to see you today.
1: You as well.
0: How, how are things in Central Florida?
1: They are going pretty well. It's, it feels like things are starting to get a little bit back to normal with having both of the teams down here finally getting back up into the swing of everything.
0: Now, Orlando is 4-2-3, uh, is in third in the East. Atlanta United is in 3-4-1 and, and is in ninth in the East. It's almost a, a reversal of what we've seen the previous few seasons. Um, I've really enjoyed watching Orlando play this year. I know Orlando City fans hate me uh, because I don't like their chance, and I've learned to live with that. But I love watching Orlando play. It's a fun attacking style. It's a free-flowing style. Everybody's getting involved. How much fun has this been for you this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you just hit the most important thing about Orlando City this year is that they're so much fun to watch. They really are, even if they're not playing all of their starters, even if they're going deep into their bench, they have this really cohesive style of play. And it makes it fun as a beat writer to cover because, you know this, it's always more fun to cover a team when they're out there having fun, winning games, mixing it up the way that they are. So it's been, you know, I came into the season having pretty high expectations, quite frankly, just mm. with everything that Oscar Pereja was saying. I had a lot of expectations out of some of the players that they either brought in mid-season last year or in the preseason had come in. And I kind of felt this brewing from the beginning. Uh, so it's a little satisfying when you you tell everyone that it's coming and then it, it comes and it happens. Right
0: <laughs> so Oscar Pereja, it, it's really hard to imagine – the positive impact he has made on that team because as we both know and those who have been the passionate supporters of the club know it has been a struggle for this franchise mm-hmm. um for him to come in and make that big of a difference it's such an odd contrast with atlanta united and what it's gone through with frank and you know stephen glass is trying to get it turned around but there's just not really any signs that it's happening so far how has Pereira been able to do this so quickly
1: Well, I think when he came in helped because coming in at that time, when you have a full preseason, you have, you know, the whole scope of time to really work with the team helps. And he did a lot laying the foundation in the preseason that really didn't get to be seen because of the season shutdown. But he took the team to Cancun for 10 days to do this like boot camp where they were isolated and they were doing like three a days at one point. And he just got everyone a very fit, and be very bought in from early in the preseason. So this cohesive look that you're seeing on the field, it comes from a very cohesive idea and message that he was building back in February and in January. So I think that it feels like he's been here for less time than he actually, it has been because the shutdown caused, you know, that, that five month lull. But during that time, this team was still meeting on a daily basis. They were having uh, training sessions, et cetera. So he's been, He basically has not taken a day off since he got here in Orlando, and I think that's helped because he was able to hit the ground running and get everyone kind of – the word that I use always is just galvanized towards Mm -hmm. this very cohesive idea. So he's not trying to get them hyped up about nothing. He's kind of pushing them towards one common goal that is very tangible and that every single player on the roster, whether they're a rookie or a vet like Nani, they can all kind of see it and they have the same vision of it.
0: Now who's been – I mean, Nani is obviously a key player. Uh, Chris Mueller has six goals already this season. I love watching him play. The goal he scored against Atlanta United, the second goal, which proved to be the game-winning goal, that was just a phenomenal piece of hustle and Mm -hmm. intelligence. Um, To to recap, it was a goal kick from uh, Brad Guzan toward Pitti Martinez for some reason, who did not win the aerial battle. uh, The Orlando City player won it. Mueller jumped onto that second ball. Made the pass to DK, continued his run. DK to Benji, yeah, yeah, to Benji, who passed it back across, squared it back across the goal to a wide open Mueller for the tap in. Just phenomenal intelligence, phenomenal run. How is? I mean, he he's just been an amazing. He was amazing last season, mm-hmm. and then kind of fell off a little bit as as you expect. But this season's been unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Chris is that everyone talks about how he kind of he had a great season last year and then fell off he fell off because he wasn't getting played. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it wasn't that he was getting the minutes and then all of a sudden just stopped producing. There was just a point in last season where he started getting pulled. He was coming off the bench rather than starting. He'd been starting and performing well for mm-hmm. a while. And then he would just go you know, four games without getting played and then he'd play once. So I think what you're seeing is when you put Chris A, with a playmaker like Mauricio Pereira who can get him in the right positions and who can pull defenders the way that Mauricio does and you have all of these other pieces that are firing on all cylinders and working because you know you can't you can't sag off to cover Chris because you've got Nani to deal with and Mauricio to deal with I think when you have all those pieces in place you're just kind of seeing the the talent that Chris has quite frankly and I think also it helps that Oscar believes in him really loves and respects him. Um, I think Oscar feels that way towards all of his players, but Chris is one in particular that he has really worked on boosting his confidence because when Chris is feeling good about himself, I mean, he basically can, can score or assist when he wants to. Um, And I think if you keep that, that mentality and that mindset up for him, he's a lot more dangerous uh, than he looks. Sometimes he can be really deceiving because you look at him and he kind of looks like that scrappy Midwestern type player, you know, which is what he is. And then you get down to his footwork and it's clean and clinical and he can really keep up with some of the best defenders in the league.
0: And then DK, Matt Doyle, uh, you know, loves DK. Um, He's been a revelation this season too. He's big physical guy. He reminds me a little bit of uh, Jossi Zardis in terms of his size. I don't know if he's uh, the athlete that Zardis is, Um, but he's doing enough to occupy you know, two center backs and creating space for Mueller, for Benji, for Nani to exploit on the outside.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have been honestly just happy for Daryl because he's so young um, and he's such a – he's a a really good just person in general off the field. And coming in when you have Dom get injured that early, you kind of know that that means that the other strikers are just going to be you know called upon so much more and that's a tough spot to be in as a rookie I think the thing with Daryl that surprised me is how good his hold-up play has been Mm -hmm. because we knew that he was he has that kind of raw physical power and then also just kind of that rookie energy that like all rookies kind of look like puppies where they're like their paws are too big and they're you know just running all over the place that can be very chaotic and very good in the box but I mean, what we saw Daryl doing in terms of being able to hold up defenders at his back and pause for a moment and then mm-hmm. turn and like that ball to Benji that you were talking about i I was genuinely surprised to see him at that point this early on in only his second or third start with the team and if he can keep in that form I mean that is that's a great sign for sure. Orlando City. if they if they can. Also, the fact that they were able to rest Tesho Acandelli for that many days because they had Daryl to plug in there, mm-hmm. that's just a great sign for this mm-hmm. team that they have that depth and that rotation.
0: That's an intelligence uh, from DK, too, that you don't typically see in rookies. Um, that's been a bright spot. I think, though, maybe the biggest uh, improvement or the most important improvement in Orlando City has been defensively because it's- we've all seen the past few seasons that it just, you know, mental mistake after mental mistake that cost the team points after points. And that's why it had yet to make one of the reasons it had yet to make the playoffs. What's been the turnaround on defense?
1: Well, I think, you know, everyone talks about Oscar Perez's teams being these fun teams to watch that are hyper, uh, hyper attacking, hyper offensive. I think that's what everyone kind of sees when they see the final product, but he is obsessive with defense. And I mean that in a good way. He's Mm -hmm. So rigorous with defense. He spends so much time with that unit. And I think it's a combination of a few things. You have a coach who is very defense oriented. Um, he would rather play practically than play beautifully at times um, because he wants that backline to be that strong. And then I think that the acquisition of Antonio Carlos has, at center back, has elevated that defense. It has Robin Janssen playing some of the best football I've seen him play here in Orlando. And then when you have Pedro Galese behind them, I mean, that, that trio right there is just such a strong base to start your entire attack from, because the attack starts with the back line. We saw that with Jansen assisting Nani in the MLS's back tournament. I mean, they're just such a strong core to start from. And even though none of them speak the same language, uh, they're still somehow always on the same page. <laughs> really, really impressive. I don't think that gets talked about enough <laughs> the center backs speak like five words in, <laughs> in, and neither of them, one speaks Portuguese, one speaks English. They know some of the same words in Spanish because that's what Galece speaks. So <laughs> it's, it's just a mess constantly, but, but they make it work. It's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. So no team in major league soccer hates Atlanta United more than Orlando city supporters. Yes. Uh, so I'm really curious to, to know what you see and hear from them about Atlanta United struggles this season and just kind of the overall mood. Uh, I guess the shade and fro is the word that some Orlando city fans might use for what's going on.
1: I mean, I'll be honest. They're having fun. They're, they're having, I I think it's that feeling of, um, and, and I, I I think anyone in sports can relate to this, that feeling of when you've been the underdog and you've just been like punched down at for year after year and you finally get to like punch back up. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's, that's kind of glorious for any sports fan and I think they're just enjoying the other side of that um I know when they beat Atlanta for the first time I after every game I ask on Twitter like how all the fans are doing and they send me just the most ridiculous hilarious things (laughs) I keep doing it because it's just so funny and uh I got like five different versions of people uh imitating the joseph martinez like the thing where he's laughing oh
0: yeah 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 yeah. I got yeah.
1: so many people sending me those um but it does come from i mean there's always an edge to that rivalry i've noticed that since i got here but mm-hmm. it is coming from a very joyful place of just knowing that they're finally like the other Shoe has finally dropped, mm. and they're finally kind of getting to be on the other side of that. But yeah, there's been so much shade thrown constantly. I wake up and there's Atlanta memes. <laughs> there's Atlanta memes. I can't escape them. I'm like, guys, please just put them somewhere else.
0: I am happy, genuinely happy, and I've said this for a couple of years about Orlando City supporters. They deserve success they because do, yeah. they've experienced, you know, so much disappointment mm-hmm. in uh, since 2015. And, you know, I think sometimes the passion is slightly misplaced, uh, but it's passion. And I, I you'd rather have that than apathy which you know, what you see in some other MLS cities toward the teams who, who struggled for a while. So I am genuinely happy for them. So the million dollar question is, is Orlando city going to make the playoffs this season?
1: I feel like if they continue playing the way they've been playing, I, I don't see how they don't. Um, I think one of the really difficult things right now whenever you make these predictions is we don't know what qualifying looks like because like we don't know how many games are left in the season. So we don't know when, I mean, for all we know, they could have clinched it by now. If they, <laughs> like, we, I mean, I don't that's know. If, true. That, that is that's true. Not, that's not going to happen. But technically for all we know, there could be like five games in phase two and then they go to the playoffs. We yeah. don't know for sure. So it's kind of a weird place to be in. Um, it's also sort of different because this regional play I don't know how good of a barometer it is for how they're going to compete throughout the rest of the league. I'm not saying that I don't think they can't hold their own. It's just that, you know, I don't think that Nashville, Miami, and Atlanta are the right. best gauge of all of the other teams, just right. in terms of style. I mean, they all play sort of similarly, and there are other teams that I think could definitely unlock Orlando City and challenge them a bit differently and a bit more. I mean, these these are – this region has seen its struggles this year. We've seen that with Miami and Nashville. Yes. So I, I just don't – I don't know if this is the best barometer, but it's definitely good for boosting your confidence.
0: Like yeah, this- I, t- I totally agree with that. I think I've read and heard – I think there's 12 games after this block right. is done. Uh, I'm sure you've probably read and heard the same. Mm-hmm. And as I continue to tell Atlanta United supporters – You know, this team has had – Atlanta United has had the easiest schedule of any team in Major League Soccer other than maybe Toronto. Uh, It's played now Nashville twice, Cincinnati twice. Uh, It's going to play Miami twice. Uh, It's going to play Nashville again. It's – there's a lot of tough games left, which goes to your point about Orlando City having to face Philadelphia, NYCFC, Columbus, um, Red Bulls, uh, Toronto, Montreal, more than likely. Right. um it's a tough tough schedule but I I'm, I'm with you I mean 10 teams making the playoffs Orlando City has got to be one yeah. uh I gotta think and I gotta think it's going to be one of the top uh, probably four um just based upon the style of play it's, it's been so much fun to watch them um what is the key for you do you think in Saturday's match uh for Orlando to, to beat Atlanta for the second time in eight days
1: I mean, I think that their game plan that they brought to Atlanta the first time was really strong. It was different than how they've played in the past. They've, they normally press higher. And so uh, I think one of the big things is that if they're home, you know, there's, there's fans in the stands. I think that Pareja is going to go back to the high press, which he's been resting on for the past few games. So the key there is how do you handle the counter when you're high pressing especially with João Moutinho being out most, not most likely, definitely being out for Saturday's match uh, at outside back. That's going to be one of those big areas because, um, you know, this team is really, really eager, especially for the players that have been around for a couple seasons. They want to beat Atlanta at home in front of their fans, and they want to beat them like, like they want to really yeah. put it home, yeah. you know? And so I think if you go in with that mindset, you can open yourself up to allowing that counter. So I think that that's going to be the big thing this weekend is making sure that you lock down that offensive counter every time that you're pushing that high press up and trying to really get into their defense.
0: Well, unless Jurgen Down starts for Atlanta United, they, they really don't have anyone right now who's going to beat a high press uh, from, from a speed perspective. Uh, that's been one of the many issues that this team has had uh, this season. So uh pray I may not have too much to worry about um so tell everyone uh what they how they find you on social media and what you have upcoming about the game
1: yeah so i am on twitter at jpo 24601 um and i have some preview content coming a couple of features coming out about the offense and kind of just where this young attacking group is at and where they're going in the future um so should be a lot of good stuff coming out of this game. And I know everyone is very, very excited for seeing this matchup this quickly in this quick of a turnaround.
0: And remember, please follow Julia on Twitter. Uh, I think the Orlando Sentinel has a paywall. Does it not? Yes. For content. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I know it's, it's an in- inexpensive paywall. So I think it's worth the, the, the money for the coverage. You want to know what's going on with the other teams in the MLS East and especially one that is developing into a rivalry now that Orlando City has beaten Atlanta United, uh, which is one of my ingredients for a rivalry. Um, It's always good to talk to you, Julia. I appreciate you coming on uh, Southern Fried Soccer here. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, Atlanta United at Orlando, 8 p.m. Saturday night, broadcast on Fox. Listen to it on 92.9 or follow our coverage on Twitter. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all, please take care. Please take care during these weird, weird times. And we hope to see you at a stadium soon.